Satan made me do it. Or at least that's what they say. Seemingly the easiest way for people to get out of murder and adultery for centuries, one of the first instances of Satan whispering in someone's ear is the story of Faust. A Germanic legend adapted for the stage by Christopher Marlowe in the Elizabethan era as the tragical history of Dr. Faustus, reworked by Goethe 200 years later as simply Faust, and adapted countless times thereafter for operas and symphonies. Faust is the story of a forlorn intellectual, unable to indulge in knowledge and pleasure because he was suffering from what we would call depression in the 21st century. Seeing as mental health care was nothing short of actual torture until recently, Faust calls Satan and sells his soul in exchange for further knowledge and magical powers. A demonic representative named Mephistopheles is also given to Faust to watch over and occasionally advise him. Mephistopheles tends to be the voice of reason in much of the text, but never mind that. Unsurprisingly, Faust commits sins that deeply corrupt him, and his soul is carried off into hell by Satan in every single adaptation. But the evil deeds are all of Faust's own doing. In 1980, a 20-something-year-old couple named Arnie Cheyenne Johnson and Debbie Glatzell began moving into a rental home together with the help of Glatzell's family. Debbie's younger brother David got spooked when he was alone in the master bedroom and felt something push him onto the waterbed left by former tenants. When he looked up, an old man warned him, beware. Later that night, he saw the man again, but with burned black skin and cloven-hoofed feet. Devout Catholics, the Glatzell family called Ed and Lorraine Warren, known for their work in the Amityville Horror, 12 days after David's hallucinations began. At that point, he was writhing in bed at night, shouting obscenities and screaming. Probably things like, what in the actual fuck are y'all thinking not getting me the care I need? Or, this shit is fucking scary and I need a goddamn crisis response team. Priests from a local parish began performing what the Warrens called lesser exorcisms, and it was determined that David was possessed by 43 demons and two devils. The Bridgeport Bishop declined to authorize a formal exorcism because the family wouldn't consent to psychological tests. According to David's mother, if people honestly believe in Jesus Christ our Lord, they have to believe in the devil. Besides, this world is being controlled by the devil. Look at the drugs, the prostitution, the gambling, and the violence. The devil's in charge of it all. That fall, Debbie and Arnie went back to their vacant rental, and while looking out the window, Arnie said, The beast. There he is. He began to growl and bare his teeth. Debbie told Arnie it had gone into him now. On February 16, 1981, Arnie called in sick to work and went with Debbie, her teenage sisters, and her nine-year-old cousin to help Debbie out with her job at a dog kennel. The building's landlord, 40-year-old Alan Bono from Australia, took the group out to lunch at a strip mall bar and grill where he drank a ton of red wine. He told everyone he had plans to quit drinking eventually. After lunch, one of Debbie's sisters helped Bono out with some repair work and he became agitated, grabbing nine-year-old Mary by the hair. According to Debbie's sister, Arnie began growling and pulled out his pocket knife stabbing Bono in the chest four to five times and slicing from his heart to his stomach. It was the first murder in the history of Brookfield, Connecticut, and Arnie spent five years in jail for Bono's death. His defense? 
The devil made me do it. That is, until the judge threw that out of court for having absolutely no legal or scientific basis. The Latin root of bono is good, or well, in the right way, honorably. By sheer happenstance, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's rage or mental break found the perfect victim for his alleged satanic possession. In the Old Testament, Satan, like Lucifer, does not appear as a name but as a regular noun, 13 times. The book of Samuel describes Satan's or adversaries against God's chosen one, David. The book of Numbers says, And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Adversary is a composition of the Latin words ad and versus, literally against or unfriendly opponent, enemy. Adversaries have existed since the beginning of human history. As individuals, we represent a complex web of emotions, thoughts, and actions. When we look outward at a human who also possesses these traits and think of them as not one of us in some way, they become the other. This process, known as othering, is an individual psychological tactic that manifests itself through entire cultures. It's how your uncle starts a comment at Thanksgiving with, I'm not sexist, but... Or that Tinder profile says things like, no Asians, with a smiling devil emoji, calling the statement a preference. The Latin barber, barbaranus, meant foreign, strange, ignorant, a person who was non-Roman or non-Greek. Sorry, Stranger Things fans and my nana, but the Sanskrit barbara meant non-Aryan. 15th century Middle English barbarian meant rude, wild person and was synonymous with savage. These are entire groups of people describing the other as not us and bad because they are not us. Throughout Western history, three stock accusations have been leveled against any group the Christian church has been at odds with. Incest, murder, and cannibalism. The adversaries during the medieval era were heretical groups that faced expulsion from cities, stonings, and worse. In 1484, Pope Innocent VIII claimed that Satanists in Germany were meeting with demons, casting spells that destroyed crops, and aborting fetuses. The Knights of Templar were basically the militarized police of the medieval crusades, deeply tied to the finance sector of Christianity and the developing infrastructure of the Catholic Church. On Friday the 13th of October, 1307, they were arrested and found to be worshipping the demonic figure known as Baphomet. October 31st, 2017 will have been 500 years since Martin Luther's 95 Theses began the Reformation. The act was Phoenician, both a creation and destruction of ties to the Catholic Church and allowances of Protestantism. Now, an entire podcast in and of itself could be devoted to the 95 Theses, but let me just say that in the creation of Protestantism, a whole new world of Satans or adversaries were thrown out there. Previously persecuted Protestants turned to each other with accusations of incest, murder, and cannibalism, and the term Satisme emerged from France around this time. Queen Elizabeth I passed the Witchcraft Acts in 1563, which made witchcraft a common law felony rather than one punishable by ecclesiastical courts. From 1500 to 1660, 
50 to 80,000 suspected witches were executed, about 80% of whom were women. In 1584, Reginald Scott published The Discoveries of Witchcraft, which proclaimed that witches did not exist because magic didn't exist. He said the deaths of the accused were at the hand of the Roman Catholic Church, and almost every copy of the book was unsurprisingly burned, just like the victims of witchcraft accusations. Hellfire clubs became popular in the 17th and 18th century. They were a combination of lewd boys' clubs showing off drawings of phalluses and wigs made of mistresses' pubic hairs, which the quote-unquote gentlemen jokingly kissed at the beginning of meetings, and circles of blasphemous mockery. One club's motto was Fais ce que tu voudras, or Do What You Will, much like Celine Dion's 1986 banger. Records of the club were destroyed in 1774, but it wasn't all good. These men of power in hiding drank, gambled, and allegedly brought in sex workers they mockingly called the nuns. Allegedly, noblewomen stood as altars for black masses, which was basically like a fancy body shot with lots of candles, but you know, do what you will. Thankfully, the French Revolution happened in 1789, so power shifted a little bit. But power shifts are never smooth, and the church claimed that Satan, the adversary, was responsible for the French Revolution. A satanic conspiracy was afoot, and everyone from the Jacobins to tarot card readers were responsible. The 19th century saw the rise of literary Satanism. A revisitation of authors like Peter Godwin and John Milton's treatment of Satan as a wounded individual acting out a humanistic will. Some of my favorite early anarchists, Pierre-Joseph Proudhon and Mikhail Bakunin, embraced Satan as a symbol of liberty, the eternal rebel, the first free thinker, and the emancipator of worlds. My little leftist Satan, the adversary. Throughout the late 20th century, a moral panic arose around alleged ritualistic satanic abuse. It was spurred by the publication of a non-fiction book in 1980 called Michelle Remembers, in which a psychiatrist documents the process of extracting repressed memories from alleged satanic abuse using 600 hours of hypnosis. Spoiler alert, the book ends with a memory of Michelle's family summoning the devil himself and Jesus, Mary, and Michael intervene to remove a year's worth of abuse scars from her body and mind. The now debunked book describes Michelle enduring torture, sexual assault, witnessing several murders, and having been rubbed with blood and body parts of murdered babies and adults. By 1992, Agent Ken Lanning of the FBI Behavioral Science Unit revealed that the satanic panic was impossible. His research began because of the media circus around mental health care professionals, victims, and the burgeoning training in the area of sexual violence against children. His research discounted the stranger danger movement of the 1950s, 60s, and its later revitalization in the 80s as useless because Perpetrators of sexual violence against children may not appear as completely bad, and victims may not appear as completely good. He pointed out how the women's rights movement of the 1970s brought intra-family sexual violence into the public eye. 
how the early 1990s discussion of people in power abused such authority to molest children in the church, medical professions, sports, and so on, and how Satanism was the new stranger danger. For those who know anything about criminology, one of the oldest theories of crime is demonology. The devil makes you do it. People were claiming that 50,000 children were being snatched by Satanists a year for rituals, but Lanning points out that the 1990 National Incident Studies on Missing, Abducted, Runaway, and Thrownaway Children in America estimated 200 to 300 children were abducted. He described thorough investigation of criminal sites where no bodies were found. Quote, the alleged explanations for this include the offenders moved the bodies after the children left, the bodies were burned in portable high-temperature ovens, the bodies were put in double-decker graves under legitimately buried bodies, a mortician member of the cult disposed of the bodies in a crematorium, the offenders ate the bodies, the offenders used corpses and aborted fetuses, or the power of Satan caused the bodies to disappear. Not only are no bodies found, but also, more importantly, there's no physical evidence that a murder took place. Many of those not in law enforcement do not understand that while it's possible to get rid of a body, it is even more difficult to get rid of the physical evidence that a murder took place, especially a human sacrifice involving sex, blood, and mutilation. We want to make clear that we believe victims of sexual violence. It is imperative to look at the facts when they become sensationalized into a moral panic. When we unquestioningly believe a group of individuals just because they're children, and children wouldn't lie to us because children are good and pure, or when we unquestioningly believe a person like, say, a political leader, because leaders lead and subjects follow, that is when it becomes our responsibility to question the facts presented to us, especially when they are so fantastical that they're impossible. When they said murders and blood rights happen, but you wouldn't find a trace of them, even with forensic evidence available. When they said HIV and AIDS were a gay plague as doctors debated whether or not they should even bother treating patients. When they said, but her emails. Those were moments in history that created the other. Those were moments in history when we looked at someone as not one of us in some way, and they became Satans and adversaries of their own. Lanning further discredits the hysteria known as the Satanic Panic by pointing out that the alleged cattle sacrifices spurring much of the hysteria were caused by natural predators, this whole thing was largely created by individuals without much ranching experience. Lanning points out that the only organization in American history to have accomplished what is alleged by scared normies across the country is the Ku Klux Klan, to infiltrate communities in leadership roles and as high-ranking officials. And they, ironically, are Christians. Thanks for listening, and remember, idle ears are the devil's playthings.